Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast episode number 49. Uh, today's guest is another girl, another woman, as the Greek architect based in Rotterdam, Marina Kunavi. Uh, Marina is extremely passionate about architecture. Uh, she said that herself that architecture is her hobby, and she has studied first at the University of Patras, where she developed her first skills and she made her first steps into the world of architecture. And then she moved to the Netherlands, where she studied at the Delft University of Technology. She has worked at cutting-edge companies such as Meccano, OMA, and MVRDV. And in between these experiences, she was part of the Architects of Urbanity team that won the competition for the Vinyl Library. And if you don't know about this project, you can go back to the episode number 13, where we had Irgen Saliani and we talk about it. Um, Marina, after she gathered uh, experience through all these experiences in 2017, uh, she started her own company. Uh, the company is called Anagram Architecture and Urbanism, with which uh, she won many, many different competitions. And the last one that she won was the um, town hall building of uh, Prerov, which is a um, town in Czech Republic. She collaborated to this competition together with uh, Grupa, uh, a company owned by her friends Jan Kudlitska and Anna Serena Tremblay. I'm very sorry if my pronunciation of these names wasn't correct, but uh, yes, so Grupa was the was the partner in this competition. And it was very interesting talking to her. I personally learned a lot of things because myself, I'm very passionate about competitions. And uh, I learned through her what is the process behind these uh, winning competitions, where to find competitions, what did she learn? Uh, from from the companies where she work at and she unveiled pretty uh, much about it so i can i suggest you to listen to the whole episode if you want to participate in competitions and you want to learn more about approach of someone that definitely knows a lot about how to do it and has been successful but um, before we start, I want to take you as, uh, thank you as usually for listening to this podcast and I want to remind you that you can support us by mainly spreading the message about our show by subscribing wherever you're listening. If you're on Apple uh, Podcast, you can give us a good review and you can subscribe to our um, email list to get our monthly newsletter with the best off of our podcast. You can follow our social media channels at TCI Podcast and LinkedIn, uh, the Creative Insider page, and follow us because next week we're going to be releasing the number 50 and we're about to unveil something new and very interesting. So enjoy the conversation. Hello, Marina. How are you? Hello, I'm good. And you? I'm good. Uh, welcome, welcome to the Creative Insider Podcast. And thank you for accepting my invitation uh, so quickly. I just sent you the invitation a few days ago and you responded very positively. 
uh, very quickly. So you were you were a little skeptical in the beginning. You told I'm going to ask you for money. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, because it happened again in the past and uh, I was just wondering, ju- just to know the conditions. And thank you very much for the invitation. I'm very happy that uh, you you have an interest uh, to do that uh, for Anagram. So I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy that I discovered you um, because, um, first of all, I discovered you through uh, the images that Federico Bianculo, he was on my podcast, one of the first guests on the episode number 10. Um, he was on the podcast and I saw he did images for your last competition you won with your office Anagram um, and you collaborated with someone else too, right? Who did? Uh, who else did work on this project? In this project, we collaborate uh, with Grupa Studio, and uh, both uh, both of us we worked uh, we worked on the project, and also we are waiting now to sign the contract uh, as a team. We have team up with Grupa Studio uh, 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 for this project. And I, I figure out that you have been working also with Irgen Saliani, who also was on my podcast, I think on a yeah. 12 or 13, something like that in that episode. So in the beginning, almost a year ago. And uh, when I, I discovered that you are uh, the founder of the Studio Anagram, I was very happy to invite you because um, I think your work, I checked your work very quickly. It's very good and very you're very talented. And um, recently I've been a little bit criticized that there were not enough uh, girls on the podcast. <laughs> uh, and I just I just answered, I don't find, I, I, I ask some, but they don't come. And then um, and that's just, <laughs> so it's, it's nice to have a, you're the first um, woman founder of, an, a studio, of a studio on the podcast. So I'm very excited to be talking to you and discover your story. Um, every every podcast I'm trying to start from the beginning to you know to because I don't know you personally and most of our of our guests I don't know them personally, um, so I'm very curious. Um, was there a moment in your life? Um, so you come from Greece. What was there as Irgen? Uh, was there a moment in your life as a kid or as a teenager or as, as a student? where you you told um i want to be an architect or what was the moment that made you feel you wanted to be an architect um it was it, for me it was in the high school so actually i didn't know very well in what i'm entering <laughs> i just liked a lot to do drawings uh, so freehand or uh, like the technical drawing i really like to do that uh, so I just thought to apply for that, for architecture, in order to be able to do the drawings. <laughs> and then when I entered in the university, I really discovered the real uh, work of the architect, let's say. Uh, it, it's, so, yeah. it's a similar like to um, the famous uh, Björk Engels. He says also that he wanted to be a cartoonist and then ended up being a, an architect because he wanted to learn how to draw. Um, but... <laughs> From which part of um, Greece are you? My city is, uh, has the name of uh, Patras. Uh, so it's like three hours from Athens. And it's an industrial city that I study also there. It has a university of architecture. And uh, it's an industrial city with a, with a port uh, for Italy. So all the international connections uh, f- 
with uh, boats are happening from that city. And it has a clear grid. You never, you are not unable to get lost. Actually, <laughs> I've never, I've never been to Patras, but I know the city because uh, when I was a kid, um, sometimes we would need to travel by car from Bulgaria to Italy, and we would yeah. go to Igumenitsa, another Greek port. Uh, but sometimes the, there was so much traffic that there was always the possibility to need to drive to Patras and then travel from there but uh, fortunately never never happened um and uh, what did you need did you need to do to access university uh, test or you just need to apply with your grades from school or how did it work i had to i had to pass the drawing exams so we're giving exams of drawing and i had to have a good grade on that and also to be good uh, like as a student because back then architecture was very high in the rank so I had just to, to give exams in different courses, especially maths, physics, uh, geometry, these kind of courses, and to have uh, high grades to enter to the university. And one, once you have accessed the university, uh, what was different from what you have imagined? Uh, what, was your expect what were your expectations and what was completely different? Um... I think I entered in architecture because of an intuition. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have something specific in my mind. So anything was uh, new for me. Uh, but I think the biggest surprise in the beginning, in the first year, and the biggest difficulty actually, it was that as a student, I had something very specific to do. Uh, I had to learn uh, things, how to do calculations, how to learn things uh, by heart and to write exams. And when I entered in architecture, I had more to think about things and uh, to create things that they, they didn't have a specific procedure. It wasn't given the way that you will do it. You were free to do whatever you want on designing or thinking on architecture. So for me, this was a very big surprise in the beginning. Uh, and uh, I, I can say that the first year it was a little bit tough. But was it a good surprise or a bad surprise for you? What, what, again? If, if, if it was a good surprise that uh, you were completely open to do whatever you need or, or you want, uh, or was it a bad surprise? It, go, it was just difficult. I think it was very nice, very interesting, uh, but it was difficult a little bit. And also another thing it was that uh, as a student, you always work alone. You study alone, you give exams alone. In architecture, when you enter, you learn that the first thing, thing is to collaborate. So you start team up with people that actually they, you become super good friends. You have very good time between like a lot of fun. Uh, but you need also to learn to open up your thoughts and to learn to collaborate. Uh, and that it's, it's also another thing that is a dif different pro uh, process. Uh, but for sure, it was a little bit difficult, but for sure, uh, super interesting and nice. Yeah, you, you mean like as a student as a st at school, like at school before you had everything clear alone and then university student was completely, completely different. Um, yeah, I had a similar experience because um, I don't know if it happened to you too, but my friends that didn't study architecture, 
uh, were used to make fun of me because they would see me with uh, colors, pencils, drawings, sketches, and I would complain how many long hours I need to work. And they would be like, yeah, whatever. You just like coloring stuff. It's not a huge work. And I always would tell them it's not like a school of engineering where you need to read a book and learn a formula and then apply it. It's or maybe as low, it's a little bit difficult. Um, but you said you started to cooperate with everybody since the beginning. Um, and I'm wondering how was the um, environment in your university in Patras? Were the people very um, collaborative, very team oriented? Or was it hard to build um, to build these groups and these teams? Because in my personal experience, it was very hard to work with people in the university because it was very hard to find the right balance of motivated people and people that are not too much your friends so that if you fight it's okay <laughs> how was your experience with the teams in university uh, i think uh, no I, I think i was a lucky one it was a, it was smooth collaborations of course, sometimes uh, people want to work less, some people want to work more, but uh, you do what you have to do for the project, what you think that is good. And uh, yeah, I think it was a positive and a nice, uh, nice experience. It takes a bit more time, I think. It takes more time in the process to find something out. But for sure, the outcome, I think it's better when you are more than one person, let's say. Yes, I think so too, because always one mind, more minds is better than just one mind. And um, after a whole, how long time in this environment you started feeling um, comfortable and really enjoying what you do and getting more passionate and passionate about it? Yeah, yeah. Like the first year was a little bit strange, and then the rest of the like four years they were uh, very, very nice. We start also being more specific in terms of design, like wh what we'll do, because the first year was a little bit more loose. And uh, yeah, it it was uh, it was good. Yeah. So you did did you study uh, four years bachelor or was it four year master? How I study in Greece. We have a five years program that you need to do it in order to get the license as an architect. So I did the five years and then I moved in Netherlands for a master. Uh -huh. So I did a master for two years in TU Delft in the track of urbanism and landscape, which is it was a decision that I had already five years of education in architecture and I wanted an extra thing. Uh, an extra step, um, extra knowledge, let's say. So I select to to open up in terms of scale. Um, and like that, I moved also in Netherlands. But um, with these four years in Greece, uh, what would be your um, title? Is it a master degree in architecture in Greece or is it a bachelor degree with four years? You, you get a master. You get a master. And, and then you we did... call it diploma. Okay. Uh, it's like in Italy we have five years mm. and then you you yeah and then um and then you move to the Netherlands be, but this was a post PhD or was it a master like um another master degree specific second master second, second master. master and um I, I I guess like 
I mean, the Netherlands are one of the modern mecca of architecture, I would say, with together with, uh, in terms of education, I guess uh, other world-renowned schools are uh, the AA in London, uh, these, the, um, uh, T, what is called, ATH in Zurich, then there is the, the TU Munich. Um, what made you want to go to the Netherlands? Mm, I select Netherlands because uh, I liked a lot of the publications from TU Delft. They do very nice publications. And secondly, I, I came in Netherlands because of OMA. Uh, like, I really like the office. I like the Dutch, uh, like Super Dutch and uh, the Super Dutch uh, thing, uh, like um, way that they have on architecture. And uh, also, all like the offices in Netherlands, I liked a lot of the design, especially OMA, and for that reason, I wanted to come in the country. But so I guess that during your first studies in, in Greece, while you were first year, you needed to find yourself in the university and then uh, figure out how it works. Um, how did you, did you get really, I guess you got really passionate about architecture in general. What kind of research or what kind of studies did you like to do to you know to get passionate about the, the publications of TU or did you just um, study the regular classes in the university or did you do extra research on this architect that would fascinate you um, how did you get involved into knowing so well that you like OMA because you said um, when you started studying university you you didn't know anything about architecture and then in five years, what were the things that you learned so much and that made you, you know, understand? Why did you like these offices so much? Uh, yeah, especially I think, uh, okay, f the first uh, thing it was the professors in the university. We were lucky that uh, we were having very young professors that they were educated also outside of Greece. Um, and they were around like 40s, so 35, 40s. So they were, uh, they show us this new kind of architecture. Um, so we didn't study like only modernism and the Le Corbusier and that's it. So I think it was the professors that they show us uh, a lot of things that they are happening uh, in Europe or uh, USA. Uh, and they, through them, we came in touch with uh, the work, for example, of OMA, books of OMA, uh, and then I started learning more about architecture. So the, in the beginning, it was the lectures from the professors. And then after the first, second year, I started searching also by myself. I understand. Of course. I understand. I'm asking you because, uh, for example, I started, I, I, I studied in Italy and then I, w I came here to Germany as Erasmus student and um, I had some, in Italy you have uh, professors are older, but they have a lot of younger assistants, you know, because we're, uh, the university is very big so they cannot manage the whole class alone. And these younger um, um, assistants, they would tell us exactly like this about this offices in uh, Copenhagen and Germany and uh, the Netherlands and then I started um, researching them through you know YouTube uh, or I would go in Google Maps in Google Maps and I would just look for architects in the Netherlands in um, 
in um, I don't know Amsterdam or Rotterdam, and then they would find all these offices that maybe no n not everyone knows, like Studio Nine Dots, like NL Architects, like Orange Architects. Yeah. So there, there is so much more through this, uh, uh, let's say, hives uh, in the Netherlands because through this university and through these offices, now it's growing more and more because people like you and Jürgen are founding other offices that have the same values let's say so it's very interesting um and yeah. when you moved to the netherlands um did you have any cultural shock coming from greece and moving to another country which is so north and different um no i would not tell it the shock like uh, it was fine I, I found differences of course um, in terms of, uh, for example, in the university, I really, I really, I realize a lot that uh, in Greece we are not very critical to the professors. So when uh, when you have a professor and is giving a lecture, you don't really question him. You just listen, and uh, then maybe you criticize in your mind, but you will never express it. But in Netherlands, I felt that people are um, more free. Like they have an opinion and they express it, and it's good also for uh, the other people to, you know, really hear the real situation and improve themselves. For example, that for me that it was a little bit, it was a new thing. Um, so as a student, I, I found that as a difference, and then um, I, I as a as a work, when I started working. I realized that um, I realized. Uh, sorry, I realized that uh, it was. Uh, yeah, I saw that also in the working practice. So it starts being the environment. It was less hierarch hierarchical. So uh, as a junior or as an intern, you had an opinion. You could propose uh, design solutions or at least tell what you are thinking and uh, this was a i found it strange in the beginning but it's also very nice i i understand uh that's uh, something that i found here too when i was working in the first office in germany that uh, you could really i was also an intern and you could be as important with your opinion as um every other uh member of the of the team um, and did you feel prepared enough? Like, did you have any um, professional experience in Greece before going for your second master, or you? you no, no. Oh no, just directly to the I, next. I was student, and when I was in the last year, I just applied and uh, left. <laughs> okay, so you, you. So I, I never worked there. I, I was uh, more. I'm, I've been always a very, you know, um, practical person. So I wanted to leave university to start working on real projects. Uh, and you wanted to do a little bit more of theory and education before uh, moving to the project, which it's co completely understandable. Um, and um, when you arrive in this new university, I guess all the lectures were in English, right? Because I don't... Yes, yes. Everything was in English, yes. And was the environment very international or you were one of the few um, um, foreigners, so to say? No, it, it was completely international. Completely international. Like, like the people from the Netherlands, there were very few. <laughs> very few people. 
<laughs> and did you did you feel very uh, pre uh, prepared to uh, face this new challenge with your education from from Greece, or did you need to a little bit, you know, uh, were you a little bit behind the others? How was your opinion about that? Um, it was a bit in the case of TU Delft uh, and the master that I joined because they have also masters like Berlache that it's post-graduated master. But if you enter to the regular ones, uh, the regular ones, what I, I found a little bit uh, uh, different, it was that in Netherlands you have the bachelor of three years and you do a master to arrive to the five years. For me, I did already five years and I came here and, you know, so a lot of students, they were from the bachelor and I had already five years of education. So for me, some stuff that were easier than, ah, than okay. you know, okay. uh, just because I had longer, uh, longer education. Okay. but So this I noticed as a downside that sometimes uh, for me, it was easier and, uh, yeah, I find sometimes a little bit uh, less challenging. The fact that it was my education was uh, urban and landscape, it helped because it was something new that I didn't know. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I think uh, only, only that uh, I noticed, let's say. And um, once you were in the Netherlands and you were studying um, your second master, how did you manage to do the transition from being a student to starting joining professional offices? Um, what were your first working experiences? Yeah, I um, okay. I finished my master's um, and then during the thesis, when I was doing my thesis, I prepared my portfolio with uh, academic works and um, I had also some competitions as a student. Uh, so I prepared my portfolio and I started uh, doing applications anywhere. Of course, uh, because I didn't have a lot of experience, uh, a lot of offices they didn't reply, <laughs> uh, but okay, I was printing also portfolios and I was bringing them in the offices. So in the beginning, I started working in a smaller uh, offices, but for like six months, and then I joined uh, Meccano. That it it was uh, like a little bit bigger office with uh, nice projects. Uh, so yeah, I had an interview with them and I joined the office. So like that, uh, I started. So you, you did a little bit of a uh, few few months in a smaller office, which was a completely regular office. And then uh, you applied for Meccano, which you casually described as a little bigger with a little nicer projects, but it's one of the best offices, I guess, in the Netherlands. Yeah, it's good. It's, good. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's a very nice office. Also, they did the TU Delft library. So I was in the library as a student. Then I joined the office that did it. <laughs> Uh, was was yeah. then when you met the guys uh, Federico and uh, Irgen there because the, both of them worked. Yeah, at, yeah. At All of us we were working there. Also Jan uh, Kudlika from the studio group that we collaborate now. He used to work also there. I see. And you so were. We were all uh, colleagues. Yes. And you were working there, but still studying, finishing your second master, right? Uh, I started working when I finished my master. Yes. Ah, okay. You first I finished. The master. You finished the master, and then you worked. 
Um, what I'm wondering if it's not too personal to ask you, how did you manage to uh, uh, so sustain yourself abroad in, in the Netherlands uh, with, the, with the studies? Um, is, um, did you need to have help from your parents to you know, pay the rent? And uh, was it the university very expensive? Um, how was that part of this, so to say, adventure? The university in Netherlands is not expensive for a European citizen. Mm -hmm. So if you are part of Europe, it's something that you can easily do. It's very, it's very low. At least when I studied, it was very, very low. You need support uh, for the renting the apartment and coming. Yes, yes. And of course, I had a lot of support from my family. Otherwise, it would be impossible. And then in Netherlands, you can find some possibilities as a student if you work. I started working like random jobs. Uh, you can get, uh, okay, you work and you get some income, but you get also funds from the government if you are working and you are a student. Ah, okay, I see. Um, here in Germany, you have, if you work as a, as a student, you have to work only 20 hours a week maximum. Exactly. And you don't pay so much taxes as a regular worker so that you can um, sustain yourself. And if you get a student dorm, it's really cheap. Um, in Frankfurt, one apartment uh, costs um, per month at least thousand euros a regular apartment, and if you were in a single room as a student, it would be like hundred twenty euros. So it was very oh. ah, this is nice. Now, in Netherlands, is expensive. You need at least five hundred euros, uh, but uh, if you work you get from the government around at least when i was studying we were getting like 600 euros mm -hmm. and then uh, plus with the money of the work okay. and also you have free transportation you have some extra things so it, it becomes uh, much easier to sustain yourself and, and do you need to pay back this money that the government is giving you during your studies or no 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 because if you work no okay because here in germany you can get um, sort of a small loan that you need to pay back, not completely. And but if you work, then you don't get the loan because, um, as as I started working during my studies, I started working these twenty hours a week for an architectural mm -hmm. office, and um, I would do only architecture because I did twenty hours in the office, all my exams, and then on the weekend I just needed to do university because. Um, it was impossible, but through this job, um, I could make around 790, 800 euros a month because they would pay you per hour. And um, during the semester breaks, you have two semester breaks, which are like uh, one month in winter and one month in summer, or two, three months in summer. You can work full time uh, and then you make your big money for the rest of the year. So it's so it's okay. so it's okay and um so you started in mecano as an intern or as, uh, what like because internship here in germany mostly you do when you're student and then you're just an employee so what was the kind of internship you were doing there they i start as an intern they call it a internship plus so you are a, they call it internship plus so you get some more uh, your salary is a bit higher than a intern that is a student and you can do it if you have uh, graduated already and um when you um 
when you started this job, um, were the money then enough still to sustain yourself without getting any more, um, you know, help from the government? I wasn't super comfortable, <laughs> but there were enough. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, then that sounds nice. And um, how was how was the working, the working environment in this office? Um, how different was it than school? And what what was for you completely different, or what was your experience with that? Mm, okay, it was a bit different. It was different in the sense that you were working in a specific project, and they were asking you specific things to do. Uh, of course, as an intern, uh, when you start as an intern, you have a little bit less responsibilities, so it's easier for you to adapt. Uh, and it was for me, it was an amazing experience. I mean, it was what uh, the reason that uh, that I came in Netherlands to work in international offices. We were people from all around the world uh, working in uh, in uh, in a project. Uh, so it was very, very nice and um, and interesting because each of us had a totally different background in the team of the project. So, for example, we're working in a project with 10 people and each of us had a different education, different experience, uh, different references. So this was uh, very creative and interesting. And working in Meccano, it was a very nice office. I mean, uh, we were doing nice projects. Uh, it's an office that uh, you can learn a lot about detailing, design development. They are very good on that to, to take a project from a concept phase up to the construction. Um, also, how to use materiality, materials, it was something new. Um, and different softwares, of course. Back then, I didn't know Revit, for example, and in the office, I could get introduced on that. Uh, so they did also to ask workshops to use uh, different softwares. Um, so it, it was a, a very good experience that in the after, when I finished working there, I could use it mm -hmm. also for my own projects, but also in other offices. I see. And um, what else did you use apart of Revit? Um, the other softwares, uh, it was things that, uh, okay, I knew already, I just became better, like Rhino, of course, uh, AutoCAD, uh, uh, Adobe, Illustrator, Photoshop. But these softwares, I knew somehow mm -hmm. already, I just became much better, of course. Uh, through the practice, uh, Revit it, some, it was something totally new. Let's say. I understand. Um, and uh, how long did you work there? Um, and before moving, because from your um, about page on your website, you can see that you have worked at other major uh, offices in the Netherlands. So I'm curious, uh, how long did you stay at Meccano before doing the further transitions? Um, I was working in Meccano uh, for almost two years. Just uh, for me, I, I was in the case of people uh, that I was doing competitions. Like as a student, I was doing competitions. Then in Meccano, I started doing competitions and uh, I was working with other people parallel to the work in the weekends and afternoons uh, because I really liked that creative aspect of the profession. And also... Um, like in the beginning, it starts a little bit naive 
like doing some competitions to just experiment, doing nice projects free with friends. And then became after like one, two, three competitions, professional ones, became more serious. Uh, that uh, it's a way to do a practice through them, like to, to have an office uh, as a young uh, architect. So parallel to the work of Makana, uh, I was doing competitions. And when I found an opportunity to sustain myself, I, I went out of the office. I, I understand. Uh, but you went first at other offices or before? Because in your CV, I see that you have worked also at uh, Remcolas. You managed to work at OMA. Yeah. And then well, you have worked also at um, MVRDV. Um, so yeah. I'm asking, I'm, I'm curious, how did you manage to, you know, switch from Meccano to OMA to? Uh, I, I mix them a little bit, so it's not a linear process. Uh, I used to work in Meccano. We were doing all the time competitions and we managed to get the first prize for a competition. So then uh, we made a team. It was a library, a Varna Regional Library. It was a big project, like very big challenge, and we're quite young. We're like, I think I was like around 27, 26, 27. Um, so we got the first prize. We managed to get the contract. So I moved from Ekano and uh, we, we did this project. And, uh, and uh, the project, it's like... Uh, 17,000 square meters of public program and 11,000 square meters of a parking space. So it was quite big. And uh, we managed to do the team to and to do all the design process for two years of the project. And to have my, like working as a, as a co-founder in an office practice by, by myself, let's say, with my colleagues, of course. And, and then during that time, like this period of two, three years, we try also to do more competitions. We get some second prizes. We did some commissions. We managed to beat some projects. Uh, but then, like for me, the work, it was a little bit less. Also, this happened when I was quite young. Uh, so then I joined MVRTV and OMA. And then but to, to just explore more about what these offices uh, were able um, to, to teach you or how, why did you yes. decide to leave? Okay. Yeah, I, I was feeling that it was a moment for me to get a bit more experience. Uh, also, because I had the background of the library, I managed to enter to the offices in a higher position. So for me, it was easier to learn a bit of management, to come across with different type of projects and uh, get much more experience in order to support my future plans that it was always to have an office. Yeah, because of course, uh, um, it's very hard. It's something that I figured out um, uh, that when you, you know, when you're in your university and then um, switch to the working experience, uh, you start learning about these other aspects of the job, which are all the management costs, uh, contact with the clients and stuff like that, which um, you don't get teach. And I guess that after just two years at um, um, Meccano as an interior in, intern, and then two years away where you were all very young people, because I have talked about that pro project with Irgen already on the podcast. Uh, mm. because I, I, I saw back in the days when you won because for me it's my home country Bulgaria so I saw 
the library in Varna that you planned and I was like yeah that's that's cool I'm, I'm hope hoping that they're gonna build it but I guess they didn't build it yet um and uh yeah so I guess that you needed to you know go in somewhere somewhere structured to learn in order to learn this this other aspect um and uh, yeah yeah and also like offices i always wanted to work in mvrdv and oma so for me it was uh, like the last chance that i would be able to work there and i did it and then i feel also that you start feeling very comfortable with yourself working in these offices you really get experience and you become more concrete as an architect uh, so then you 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 can um, then in your own projects you are more um, free to propose things uh, you are there more um, I, I think this is the good thing of working in a very nice office that they do nice architecture let's say um i'm curious uh, on all the, in all these offices uh, were you completely fine to work in english or did you need to learn in the meantime dutch No, it was completely comfortable, especially in OMA and MVRDV, they are extremely international offices. So you go with English and there is no problem. And and, and I'm asking, I was curious also when you did the library project in Varna and you were working at uh, Meccano, um, did you need to ask your bosses when you were about to join a competition so that they were sure you're not, you know, working on the same competition that maybe the office was working on? Yeah, there is a yeah, there is there a, a moment that you need to yeah. I didn't ask anybody. Uh, of course, as a, as a young architect, you can never be able to participate in competitions that uh, an office like Meccano and Vertivio and May they they will participate. You know, they enter invited competitions that are very high paid. You you are never be able to participate. So the competition there is not, I think, actually. You, you do open uh, open competitions that they will never participate. Um, so I think there is not that conflict. Uh, I never uh, enter to the discussion to ask the office about that. Of course, I was doing it always. I was working my own projects after work in my personal time. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you really going to do it, uh, I, I was in the moment that uh, I would do it no matter what. So, But was there a moment in your life, because um, this is also something that I like to talk about in the podcast, is that, you know, a part of being architects or creatives or whatever we are, uh, we are also people. So there are other things in our lives going on. And um when you had to, you know, work at a pace of such a high-end office like um, Meccano or OMA or MVRDV, um, didn't you think, okay, if I do also competitions in my free time, I will miss something else in my life, like, uh, or that was never a thought for you because, I don't know, personal relationship, friendships or things like that? Yeah, um, I have a lot of friends that we collaborate together. <laughs> so we were uh, friends during uh, doing competitions. Um, I have to say that uh, you, if you want to do that, to do competitions parallel to the work, you have to be very focused. 
so it's difficult to i i had a lot of friends architects that we collaborating of course okay i had some drinks but uh, i i had to sacrifice some of my personal time in order to do that otherwise uh, it's impossible but for me i i wanted to do it for a like I want to do it for some years and f- because it will come out something of it, then I can, uh, you know, be again more free and have more free time. O- although I cannot ad- admit that architecture is also my hobby. So I'm the person that I, I just like uh, doing architecture projects. And uh... I understand. I understand. So you wanted to do the push for a couple of years just to get in order to a level where you can, um, yeah be in a better in a better place um as you i guess i hope you are now <laughs> um and um yeah. i'm also curious um how many hours invo- involved that like complete like did you work only the weekends let's say full day saturday sunday or did you work also um after work during the week because in general like I work myself in a big office here in Germany and the day it's never like nine to five. It's always you go to work earlier and then leave at seven and then you have done the whole day work, which is about architecture and involves a lot of thinking, no matter if you're doing competitions or if you're doing execution for the for the construction place. So what was the process? When did you work and wasn't it very was it very exhausting uh, we, indeed architecture we do in architecture we do a lot of overtime and of course in these offices that I worked uh, we we did overtime uh, when you have a deadline you stay longer uh, of course the good thing in our profession is that we have the moments that we do overtime but we have also the moments that the, the, the you know the project is finishing you are after the deadline and you don't do so much so we don't have constantly a lot of work there are also moments that they are more high and moments that it's lower so i was trying somehow to do it like that and i was working always on sunday and maybe some saturdays afternoon let's say and of course in the week i was working whatever time i would finish the office then i would do also something for myself like the projects that I was doing, like a competition or it helps in general. I notice, you know, it's difficult to do the first competitions when you do one or two, three, uh, you find the system. Yes. You yes. find the system, how to approach a project and then you can do faster competitions. Yes, because uh, the first one, um, this is what I also talked about also on the podcast, creating uh, this standard operation procedures also like you know uh maybe if you're gonna be working in a team so how you're gonna organize the files how you're gonna work in the project file how you gonna so once you have done a couple of those i guess it 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 gets better exactly and when you have a team of people that you work with so you team up with some people that you trust each other and the collaboration is good then also you save a lot of time because you are not alone you have uh, like three four people doing everybody doing something by themselves like to know what they want to do and you develop step by step uh, a strategy 
Yes. So then uh, it becomes also faster because uh, you are more efficient in the pro- in, in the process of it. Yes, and I also talk about this team you had back in the days with Irgen because uh, another question I ask him is like, um, how did you you know organize yourself about being uh, um, motivated to do it? And he said that by setting up a very democratic process, as you said, like you know that you were really working as a team together without anyone being the leader or taking um not not being the leader but without taking the charge of everything so you were very because yeah. I, I that was something that i asked him back in our podcast if you if you haven't uh, heard that one and um so you 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 moved from from that team and you went to o, um, OMA and then to MVRDV. Um, for how long did you work at these two offices? Um, I worked like a year in MVRDV and two years in OMA. And uh, how was there? What did you do there? Did you do uh, still competitions or did you move? What what was your roles in these two offices? Uh, I was doing uh, in MVR TV. I was doing more concept phase. Um, so, but not competitions. It was commissions, uh, and I was working there as a as an architect. So, um, in uh, MVR TV, you have this system that uh, you are in a department. Uh, you have the partner. Then you have uh, some senior architects that they supervise several projects. And then you have architects, like mini project leaders, I can I can say that, that they are on a project, on a specific project. So I was mainly doing that. And uh, it was commissions, uh, mainly housing projects. Um, I did one uh, commission in Amsterdam, a master plan in Amsterdam that they, they MVRDV did the master plan and then they got commissions for some buildings. And uh, I did also together with other architects, like we had the team uh, in San Francisco, a housing block. Uh, so mainly I did these two projects and then I did some concept, like two, three projects, smaller ones uh, in the concept phase. I I had the opportunity to ask a few questions to the... Um... I, I don't know her. I think she's called Natalie De Vries, the, the, the yeah. yes, the partner. Um, she was in, um, back in the days when we were used to have uh, uh, fairs and meetings. <laughs> uh, she was here in Munich and I had the opportunity to, she explained some of her projects and I asked her about how they do, for example, this, they're doing now this, uh, I guess, housing project where it looks like a pixelated eaten inside block, you know, which is very crazy shape. And I asked her how they do floor plans of such a housing buildings, which have for every floor different uh, different shape. And then she said that um, they have a parametric team and that uh, has uh, designed a software that generates the floor plans. And um, um, I was wondering, in order to be part of these offices, did you need to have any skill also in uh, not only Rhino, but also Grasshopper or things like that? Or you you just uh, have regular ideas and then... In, 
in a lot of projects in the office, they do that. They use uh, different softwares like the ones that you mentioned. Uh, in my project, we didn't do the scale. It wasn't so big that we couldn't manage the project. Um, it was pixelated, I can admit. <laughs> like 90% of the projects are pixelated. Um, but usually we did the floor plans ourselves, but there is a typical grid that you follow and the pixels, they are according to the grid. So you can, uh, you know, you modify, you know that you modify, for example, uh, uh, the living rooms uh, or the bedrooms. There is a specific uh, clear uh, grid that these pixels, they come out or in. So there is a way to organize it if it is not so big. Let's say without, without a, a grasshopper or a parametric softwares. Um, and um, but did you did you used to lead also the other architects in your team? Were you one of those sort of mini project uh, leader? No, uh, we had a team, and usually you have some architects and you have uh, juniors and interns. And uh, I had like for my part of the project. For example, I was doing the facade and I had, uh, there was a team that was helping me out and uh, we were doing it together. For example, an intern or a junior and uh, yeah, uh, they, somehow I was in charge uh, of the production. So they, they were asking me if they needed help for something. And uh, yeah. And um, at what point the, uh, this after these two experiences, you decided, okay, now I'm ready to go again out and start my own office. It happened again. Um, always I was doing competitions, so I never uh, stopped doing that. Uh, neither when I was in MVRTV, neither when I was in OMA. Um, so I, I got the, my last working experience, it was in OMA. Um, as I told you, I was two years in the office. I worked in the interior design of Axel Springer, uh, that it was a very nice opportunity because I made they do the project from scratch until uh, furniture design. Uh, and also I had the opportunity to go to the construction site to see the building. And then I did also a competition in OMA and another project, a master plan. Uh, but during this time, uh, I was doing my own competitions, uh, so it happened last year to do a competition in Cyprus. It was when, during the pandemic, um, I think we submit on July, and we got the first prize. So actually I did the same like Meccano, when we get the first prize and the commission, I left the office. I so I started working again by myself. And uh, but in these other competitions you were doing uh, on the site, you had uh, also a team. Um, you mean in the competitions I was doing by myself? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was collaborating since like last year. I was collaborating with uh, Grupa Studio, and uh, we were collaborators in the competitions. I didn't do competitions by myself only. I understand. I understand. Always I do them with uh, more more people. Uh, so then you you started your own office uh, when you when you when you won this one, uh, and um, why did you decide to call it Anagram? 
Again, I didn't hear. Why Why did you decide to call your office Anagram? What is the, the concept? Okay. Yeah, so I, I did the Anagram studio uh, at 2017. Um, because I wanted to to find, uh, like, to create something like an office that all these competitions, they can come together and form a, form a practice, an architectural practice. I call it Anagram because um, I, I like a lot the, the notion of it because uh, Anagram, it, what it means, the definition of Anagram is that uh, if you resuffle a word, it can give you another meaning. Um, also, if you resuffle anagram, it, it comes out the Latin word ars magna, that means a great art. So actually, I like this kind of game that from a very insignificant word that nobody will really care about, it can come something, a very nice meaning. And for me, this, or an interesting meaning, for me, this expresses a way of working. So I have the feeling that always in architecture, we work with some existing elements. We have a brief, we have a plot, we have a client that is asking things, we have a, a historical background, uh, historical background in terms of typologies, like what typology you work. So you have elements that when you gather them, you gather all this information, uh, you resuffle them in a way, uh, then it comes a new meaning. So for me, I wanted to, like the the name of the office to express this way of uh, working. Yeah, it's a very uh, cool story and very cool concept. And I didn't want also to name my office with my name because uh, I wanted in the future maybe more people to join the the office and to be to feel comfortable that this office is not belonging to me because it has my name, but it just it's an office that has certain projects or a certain way of working yes i think this is very important uh, too because um you create sort of a, an institution more than your own office you know you you create this uh val this brand let's call it and this um with its own manifesto so whoever joins uh can feel like part of it in staying being under sort of your your uh, your, yes. your 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 figure so to say um and what were the um, so to say the side difficulties uh on starting this office so i guess in the meanwhile you had to um get the license in um the netherlands to be an architect uh, which i i if i don't uh, if i'm not yeah. wrong it re Okay, when I, I study, I finished, I came in Netherlands in 2012, so back then it was very easy to get a license. It wasn't the process that we have now with the exams and uh, supervision. If you had a, a diploma of architecture, like five years of architecture, you could enroll as an architect uh, very simply. So actually, it didn't. It wasn't difficult for me that neither in Netherlands, neither in Greece, that I'm not licensed in both countries. Also, in Netherlands, it's very easy to do a, an office, like to enroll an office in the Chamber of Commerce. It's a very easy procedure. They don't ask you. It's very open the system. But did you need to learn something about maybe you know um, 
I've I've read a book. It's called Architect Entrepreneur, um, and uh, it says a little bit. It's from an American architect. I I don't remember his name, but um, uh, yeah. And he wrote two books about being, you know, the business of architecture. And uh, I think it's a very nice book to read, even if you're just an architect, that it's working for someone to understand how an office works. And he explains also that the different uh, companies you can open have a different um, sort of uh, level of insurance and uh, aspects like that. And um, did you need to teach the, to, to learn a little bit about it before starting? Um, yeah, for me, I, I didn't have the opportunity to learn. I knew people that they had offices and I had the contact with them to explain me how it works, mm -hmm. of course. Um, I think you, if you know some people that they have offices and they have done projects, they can explain you and to do the same. But also, like in the beginning, you need a bit to learn them. Like I think you try, uh, it's a procedure like a try and error, and you do that and you learn. But of course, you have some feedback and somehow you do it. I think for me, the most important is to find the commission, yes. a commission that you like. For example, for me, like because I like a lot uh, working in bigger buildings, like civic buildings, public. Uh, for me, the way it goes through open competitions. So you you and, you do exclusively competitions. Yes, and uh, for me, it was a way to to try to find projects that I really like that I see in big offices, uh, and the open competitions is a way to do it. Of course, it's not uh, it's not the only way to to sustain a business for sure, but it's a way to start as a young architect, at least uh, in my point of view, to start and to find your way of working, what you like, what you don't like, to find your uh, uh, your uh, tools, let's say, your character in architecture. Uh, I think, at least in my point of view, it works very well through competitions. And, and then, of course, you you will later find also commissions and you will meet clients. And when you get a project, you will always figure out to how to do it. You know, then if you have the project and you have a client that wants to sign a contract, then everybody will help you to do that. Uh, so it's not very big deal. You have just to be calm and to really do some steps, learn how to do it, and uh, that's it. And um, since the moment you started your office, which was now almost four years ago, because you said 2017, um, yeah. Have you sustained yourself only through winning competitions or when you win a competition, uh, what does this winning the competition includes? Because um, are you then responsible for the further execution of that project or you just win the idea, get the money and move on to the next project um, and how you deal with the uncertainty of competitions? Because... Um, I guess that when you have a commission for starting a building design and then completing the building, you make, a, at least, for example, in Germany, you make a very structured contract that says what you're going to do in the different phases and how much they're going to pay you. So in your case, when you're doing competitions mainly, 
Um, do you have also some projects that are fixed commissions from some client or economically how you sustain that? It's very uncertain. You might win a competition, be good for some months, but maybe you might not win any competition for a long time. Yeah. Um, in the past, I had some also commissions, like smaller projects, like a, a villa, this kind of uh, of projects, um, like a housing or an owner that wants to build something, uh, but not a lot, a few. Um, from 2017, I sustained myself because I was doing like smaller projects. I was participating in competition. I was working in other offices. And since last year, uh, we have this commission of the housing, uh, the housing in Cyprus that we got the first prize and we signed the contract. So now actually we sustain ourselves because of that project. And in parallel, we were also invited in competitions that it means that you are getting paid the competition phase. So it's not an open competition that you don't get a payment. It's an invited that you, you submit portfolio, you get invited, you get paid the phase of the competition. So for me, it was also that an income. And uh, right now we have also the second project of the city hall, uh, the, the city hall in uh, Czech Republic. Uh, that it's also, it's, it's a very nice building, big one, and we can sustain ourselves. And uh, when you collaborate with these um, other offices that you do, which are, I don't know, maybe similar size of your office or uh, a little bigger, um, when you participate this, um, on these competitions, do you sign yourself a contract that in case of winning, you're going to split the money in a, diff in a certain way or you just know each other and you accord your agreements, you do it? Uh, you mean the collaboration between yes. uh, the different offices? Um, I think it happens naturally because we are uh, both interested to build the project and we are both in the contract with the client. So okay. then we are equally responsible. And uh, But I think the, the starting point is that, uh, you know, when you do the competition, you really feel if a collaboration is working or not. So you you know that moment if you can collaborate nice with a person and to or with an office and uh, from that moment you develop a mutual uh, approach let's say and uh, a mutual goal and then when it's coming the contract with the client you you are equally responsible so um, and how did you how do you find collaboration do you already know the people or uh, it happened somehow. Uh, how did you find these collaborations with these other offices? Uh, we used to work together uh, in uh, other offices. <laughs> so this is our former friends yes. of yours, so to say, and colleagues. Yes. Um, so we have this. I think it's important because you you have a common background. Yes. Uh, you 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 know when you work you for example I was in Netherlands I was working in different offices I develop a, a character through them I I got experience and this influenced me as an architect and when you meet people in this kind of environments you have some common points. I understand, and um, nowadays when you're now alone um, with your office, um, what what is your 
own workflow? What kind of softwares you use for yourself? Um, I I love Rhino and Totocad. So you, I think I'm a CAD uh, a CAD maniac. <laughs> I really like it. I like the aesthetics. Uh, somehow I'm a little bit old fashioned. So we do the projects uh, Rhino, AutoCAD, uh, Illustrator, Photoshop. Okay. No, but I mean, I think that makes sense because this is the process that you would use. Um, um, because BIM it's very not useful for designing phases. BIM is something where once you have the design and you have won the project or you have to start building the project, then you start, um, you know, in my opinion, you start then implement it in a BIM system because it's very not flexible. And it's it's good. It's fast also. I have worked in projects with the BIM software and it's very fast. Uh, just uh, for me, like if you are a, a younger practice, like a smaller office, it's somehow a bit difficult with this kind of software because you, you need people also that have a specialty, you know, they, they really know the software. And uh, then for us, uh, it's a little bit difficult to be able to sustain that. Yes, and also because the software um, costs a lot of money. I mean, uh, if you need the Adobe uh, package and you need a Rhino, uh, Rhino, it's a one-shot license for a thousand euros, I guess. And uh, also like Adobe is like 70, 60 euros and stuff like that um, yeah. per month. And um, do you, so you have been now in this, your practice uh, for years, which is uh, for me a, a, a good time, you know, a very long time. It's not like uh, that you started uh, this year and you're trying to survive for one year. Um, did you manage throughout these four years to sustain yourself uh, at the level as you were working before as an employee? Or sometimes it has been better, sometimes it's been, been very much worse. Um, yeah, sometimes you need to invest, like it's not always good, but uh, I think if you manage to get a bigger project, then, you know, you you earn more than the typical. More than more than the typical. But you need uh, to, to be able to sustain yourself for a part of time, yeah. And uh, when you started in the beginning, did you prepare yourself a saving amount that you said, okay, I have like, I don't know, so much time, uh, money that will last me for so many months and if everything goes wrong i'll just find a job again no for me the trick it was to do it in parallel ah, okay i didn't do that i was just doing it in parallel i was doing my own stuff during working in an office and i was going out of the office when i could really sustain myself okay when you want that project yeah so that you can uh, yeah. get the money for, for that project um, and did you always work? Did you always work from home, or do you still work from home, or did you rent also a little room or a little studio where you go on your own and then you work there? How is this process going on? Yeah, I, I was renting a studio, so I didn't work from home. Currently, I'm working from home because of the pandemic, because it's a bit uh, strange the situation. Um, and I think, yeah, now I would like again to move in a co-working area. 
uh, be- in a co-working space. Because you were working in a co-working space with other people, just co-working space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just go with your laptop, sit there, work, and uh, that's your... Yeah, yeah. Because it's a little bit more social and you have more people around you. Um, I think for me, I like it and I get more concentrated like that. Yeah, I guess that uh, if you're a one-man show like you are, uh, and uh, you need to, you know, one person, uh, you need to work. It's better to work somewhere where at least you can get to know other people yeah. and uh, sit together and uh, maybe do a break or coffee break. Um, and yeah. No, no, I, I just during the pandemic, this became more difficult. Yes. Uh, at least in Netherlands, uh, almost everybody works from home. Um, so, yeah, well, here in Germany, in we we are not forced to work for, for from home. Um, uh, our uh, employer it's forced to allow us to work from home if we wanted to. Um, and if he's not, he needs to you know justify why this working process is not possible to be made from home. But um, we go in the office and uh, we sit distant from each other. And, and every time you leave your, your sitting space, you just wear on a mask and try to, you know, okay. not yeah. you just um, when you when you when you work together, it's, it's still better to sit together. We try to keep the distance. And in Germany, we are forced to wear whether um, medical mask or this FFP2, which are stronger. So, I mean, so okay. far, so far, we, we managed to stay safe. So, um, okay. we, we're being disciplined. Um, and now that, um, where did you, where do you find the competitions which you, you take part of? Um because uh, where where is the website or where is the the media where you find this you know announcement of this competition that might might fit uh, your 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 target? Um, usually, okay, the Arc Daily it publishes usually the big uh, competitions, let's say uh, the bigger ones, the most uh, international and open. So through Arc Daily, and then um, each country has uh, some. Uh, it has the technical, like the technical chamber uh, of commerce uh, site, like the site of the architects. Each country has uh, its own, let's say, and there they publish the competition. So if you know that there are countries that uh, they do competitions international that you can participate in the website of the architect association they get published so you can learn from that and then um, also i have some like a network of architects that we inform each other ah okay you even if you might be concurrents <laughs> or um and um now that uh, there is this pandemic going on for more than a year um is the amount of these uh, competitions diminished somehow uh, or no change so far? Can you tell me again because I didn't hear. Uh, I meant like since we are in a pandemic now and the whole economy is very uncertain, mm. is, is there still a lot of competitions? Are there still a lot of competitions to do? Or due to the economical crisis, there are a little less competitions? 
I think uh, for me this year it worked, it went very well, uh, like unexpectedly. I didn't expect that uh, because of the situation. Um, you can find competitions. I think they do less competitions, international ones, uh, with a commission. You know, not like professional competitions that they end up in a commission. I have seen less of them. There is now one in Vilnius, I think, but they, there are not so many this year. Um, personally, because uh, I knew some, uh, I know like some competitions that they are not, they are in countries like in Czech Republic or Cyprus uh, that we did, for example, there were competitions in uh, the native language and it was easier. In these kind of competitions, I find many of them, but international, not so much. I see. Well, I think they still need to be, you know, like um, published internationally because it's a European Union. So um, I think that European competitions needs per law needs to be published um, in all Europe. And... Um, what is uh, how do you manage to work uh, with internationally with your team like with uh, your collaborations you just uh, how is the process going on because i guess this is something that you have been uh, didn't change much for you because it has been always online right uh, yes Yes, because uh, for now we collaborate uh, with Grupa Studio and uh, Grupa Studio is in Barcelona, so it's online. And it helped a bit the pandemic in the sense that uh, you couldn't do anything else and you were working. <laughs> like, yes, you didn't have a lot of opportunities to be jealous of people getting out for drinks or everybody was at yes. home. So this was a good thing that we could be more focused. Yeah, I, I, I had a very interesting podcast a few weeks ago uh, with uh, this Mexican architect, um, Luis. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, sure. and it was so fun because um, I did a couple of podcasts with people from the other side of the ocean. And for me, it was evening, for them was morning. And this guy told me, hey, it's a good idea that you're doing this podcast because now that everybody are home... Um, you will have easy, you know, easy guests because everybody are now used to the idea that you're going to have a video call and then you're going to just chat. Um, and I told him that's a very interesting opinion because I thought I'm going to have more people listening <laughs> because, because everybody yeah. are at home. Uh, and I, yes, and I also started this, this podcast during the pandemics because I thought this is great time, you know, like um, I... I think it's easier to do it now because everybody have time uh, and like at least they don't have any side exciting things to do a part of staying home in lockdown. Yeah. yeah, maybe this is the positive aspect of it that we somehow lost our routine mm. and may maybe you become also a little bit more creative uh, like to think something else or maybe you always think about that and you find the time now to do it. Um, so I suppose that this is the positive aspect of the, the situation. Yes. And um, I'm curious, uh, what is, okay, you, you work with Rhino Photoshop and InDesign and this is like the aspect to make um, the project looks in the way they do. I guess that some of the images as the one that you did for your last competition 
um, you ask other external people like Federico to, to do it. Uh, but I'm curious, you have a very deep background in like knowledge wise, because you have a master degree in Greece and a master degree in, um, in the Netherlands. Then you have experience at, uh, three of the best, if not the best Dutch offices. Um, what is the idea process? Like, how do you start a project? You read the brief, um, and is it very practical? Do you start from theory? Um, because do you start from your theoretical knowledge, or what is the concept process? Yeah, um, I I think that the, you you have to found a system, a system how to approach a subject. Of course, you cannot read a brief and start designing, or at least I am not uh, in that direction. Uh, usually, uh, like the way that I, I found that it's useful for me, um, I think it's also a little bit of MA approach because they do it often in the office. Um, um, it's to do a research booklet. So you start reading the brief and then you get information from a brief. Uh, then you do a bit of analysis of the context and a scale comparison. Uh, so you, you start going around the subject uh, in a different ways. Like then you do a collage, a diagram, like because you cannot do like from the first day, you cannot come up with a concept without knowing anything. And it's very difficult to start drawing something without uh, without knowing very well what you are doing. And then if you spend time thinking about that, maybe you cannot really start doing things. So like uh, with the research booklet, you can start doing a research with mass studies, with different things around the subject of the of the commission of the or the competition the project and uh, like that you become more free more free and you adapt in the typology and then you can uh, yeah you can check some mass studies and through discussion you see what fits better in the typology the program and the plot and what is contained in this research booklet exactly um like more specifically it, to go into this first it, step it's a booklet that you gather all the information so whatever you do during the process you gather it in a booklet so you make it presentable you add it uh, like diagrams whatever material you produce so somehow in in the end of the project you have also as a result this booklet uh, of research with the final design um, so uh, this works more like a way to explain to yourself uh, how, how you work and to gather all the information than to have it in your mind and uh, to get lost ideas or uh, you analyze somehow what you are thinking. And of course, in the end, you do mass studies and uh, through the mass studies, you select some of them, you develop them more and you see if they work or not. What, what kind of studies you do? I didn't understand the word. 
What, what again? You said mass studies or what are... Mass, mass, ah, like uh, volumetric ah, okay, studies volumetric. of the volume. Okay, volumetric studies. And then once you design the volume, you you go to design then the singular rooms and uh, in the single details. Yes, and the, uh, for me, I think it's important. Okay, you do the, the first part that is the research, then the volumetry studies, and then... Uh, it's good to try to do some diagrams of the concept. How easy is to explain your concept? If you cannot explain it in two, three simple steps, it means that it's too complicated, at least in a competition level, to understand it and go on. I see. Yeah, that's that's something that it's a, a rule of thumb that uh, we in the architectural field hear a lot. Um, but... Uh, this this booklet do you do it also in a like do you just do it structured somehow but not so beautiful or do you do it also like really beautiful booklet for yourself that not so beautiful not so beautiful it's rough uh, as it gets i mean uh, just to gather all the information you don't lose a lot of time because you need uh, you want to produce more and bring more ideas and uh, so, so it's not uh, like a super nice illustration, a super nice okay. book. It's more like a progress material. It's a working material, and I'm I'm yeah. curious, like because um, it's a it's a very nice um, it's a very nice approach in my opinion. It's very interesting, uh, but I want you know the people to get more like imaginations because uh, for you that you have worked at uh, OMA, uh, maybe it's obvious because you have been been doing this. Uh, very often, um, this this booklet that you did, for example, f uh, recently for your last uh, for your last um, competition that you won, uh, that it's called the connector. Um, what kind of information you had in the booklet for this project, for example? Uh, okay, this project was a refurbishment, so we had an exi we had a strong context, and we had a, an existing building that. The, we had like the, the client gave us the building naked. So it was just the slabs and the columns. So in the beginning, we start doing some parallel research. The one, it was the context, like what city it's in the city of Prerov in Czech Republic. So what kind of city it is. Uh, there, there is a big public square in front of the building uh, with the old buildings all around. The building dates uh, dates down to the 1969 uh, during the Soviet period in Czech Republic. And all the city has very old uh, buildings. So the one, it was an analysis of the context and the square and the buildings around. Uh, the other, it was an analysis of the typology. So it was a city hall. So we check uh, different uh, city halls in Europe, older ones and new ones. And what is the direction? Uh, for example, uh, through that, we noticed that uh, town halls in the past, they were much more solid and monumental. And town halls now, they are all, uh, they look like landmarks or they are very transparent, passing the message of uh, political transparency, let's say, or they are very friendly. They are very friendly to the citizens to use them, to enter, to interact. So we noticed this difference in the typology uh, through this uh, research. And then we did also some uh, analysis of the scale of the building. So we, we compare the building with different 
buildings that we are very familiar with in order to understand the size of the space. Um, and then, of course, we got the program from the client and we start uh, adding it in uh, AutoCAD to understand what they ask, like how many square meters, how many office tables. Um, and uh, then with all this in mind, we start doing some volumetric studies on the 3D model. And uh, this booklet, uh, when you work in a collaboration with another office, um, do you guys split yourself the research somehow, the topics, or you have yeah. these chapters and all of you research a little bit for each? Usually we split them. We split them and then we add them in the booklet and we pre present them to each other. And this um, AutoCAD file that you do, it's just you do first the classic cubes, uh, not cubes, but squares of the surface of each function and then you try to redistribute them inside the building or or you directly try to distribute them inside the building? No, we do it uh, first uh, without the building. Like, just uh, to just see... an outline of the area with uh, the office tables, for example, that we need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because like that, if it is very generic, you can take this and you can position them in different configurations in the floor plan. It's basically like, uh, I don't know, taking a bottle of one liter of uh, 200 milliliter, which are the equivalent yeah, of... Yeah, that. Yes. It's yeah. like... Yeah, like a hotel. You yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm aware of the process a little bit, but um, you know, I want, you know, I want people that are listening to this to, to understand uh, how you think, how you work, because I think that the really f f uh, strong point of your career is uh, exactly this process of doing competition, as it was for the. Um, the, the podcast I had with Irgen where we talk about the same topic and he gave us some other aspects. We didn't go so in detail, in, detail in, in the process, but I think uh, you have done this different step into going to explore the working process of other offices, which I guess uh, helps you, help, helped you a lot because... Yeah. It, it helps that, but it helps also to do a lot of stuff by yourself. I think when you start uh, getting the information from uh, other offices and try to do it for yourself, what what they ask you to do there, there to do it just by your own, you discover a lot of things. I, I understand. You, you discover even more because you really understand the way that uh, you can do it. I understand. Um, and um, I'm curious also, like, uh, you work in uh different for example because for me it's curious also how you put together the work in the end because i guess that as you're not sitting in the same office uh, and not in the same country either um do you work in different files and then in the end you construct something together in the end someone puts all the information together or how do you split the work to you know create a unifying uh, project in the end do you split for example the floor plans or do you because you work in different files i guess yeah uh, okay first of all we, we have a common folder of course online that we work all together and then yeah we split the work uh, like one person can do floor plans like interior one to do only the facade 
um, and of course we discuss it to come together or uh, then somebody's finishing floor plans, somebody else is doing sections elevations um, just things that we we make a list of things that we want to do and we divide them between us and of course all of us we comment to each other work and um yeah, the, and, and in the end, is it one the person that does the finalization in Photoshop so that everything has the same style? Or um, how do you make it in the end that it looks like the same style? Yeah, in general, we try to make it a per subject. For example, uh, the main images, they will be from the same person. If we do collages, they will be from the same person, like all the collages, uh, the diagrams concept diamonds from the same person like the families we try to families of things to do it the same person to have the same graphic style uh, but i can admit that after a while if you work with the same people you start having the same style yes yes you kind of you know you you like the same stuff and uh, uh, it sounds uh, it sounds very interesting i'm i'm very uh, i admire you a lot for the for the works that you what you what did you do with uh, with your the collaboration for this? I mean, um, of course, uh, I see the, the the project looks really interesting, and it looks like um, an OMA project, or it can be MVRDV or OMA. You couldn't you also f from the um, documents that you generated for the competition, it 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 really could be OM OMA. It's <laughs> you can really see that you have worked there. And how, how much time usually do you have, guys, for from the starting point of this competition to the final point? Uh, we have one year uh, to finish the design in order to start the construction, uh, just because it's a, it's a refurbishment. So there is an existing structure, so we can speed up a little bit more. So it's a year, all the design phase. But I'm meaning another design phase now that you have won. I mean, from the moment you got the brief of the project to the moment that you now are, that you won. You know, like from the moment you got the brief and then you did all the plans for the competition and you gave them, how many months did you have? Again, can you tell me again? I didn't hear. I meant like uh, from the moment you decided you're going to take part in this competition where you read the brief of what you need to do through all this, make the booklet, the research, the plans, um, and hand the project. Um, how many, how long time did you have to do this competition? It was, for example, the usually average time for competitions, it's one to two months one uh, to, to do two. it. Uh, the, the city hall that uh, we got now recently the first prize, uh, we did it uh, on Christmas, uh, so it's like two two months and half. But it had because it was an invited competition. Uh, we went also for a presentation there. We received feedback and we 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 submit then the next phase. Okay, so it was uh, two phases, so to say. Average is two months usually. N nice. Um, yeah, then I it it sounded all your story sound sound very interesting. Um, I'm gonna conclude this this uh, conversation with this topic, which um, 
I'm really curious to know your opinion about because architecture, I don't know, it's mainly I think um, most most of the, the 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 people in this field are are guys. Do you feel anything different, or do you feel proud to be a, a woman that has um, you know started her own office, or do you know a lot of other of your colleagues that are also um, women that have started their own offices? Because there is this, you know, a lot of um, debate going on uh, recently about these topics. And I just think that it's a matter of what kind of person you are and not what kind of, you know, gender you are. So uh, do you feel like there were any difficulties or any advantages for you or you didn't ever notice anything? Mm, no, I, I didn't notice a lot of difficulties. I, I... I noticed that only that you need to stay positive always and to be focused. Yes. Like focused and positive because, okay, also when you do competitions or when you don't have a network of clients, you feel that it's difficult and you you really, or also you do a lot of competitions and you lose the majority of times. And uh, you have to stay positive and believe to what you are doing and uh, to continue working. There will come the moment that you will get a first prize or a commission. You have just to try a lot. And uh, through through these uh, competitions that you have won, um, did you also give any other, did you happen to give lectures somewhere around Europe or when it was possible to travel? Yeah, yeah. We had some invitations uh, in the university. Also, when we got the, the first prize for the Cyprus project, the, the housing in Cyprus, uh, we also gave an online lecture to the university there. Um, also, I tried to, to be in touch uh, with my university in Greece. So we, we speak sometimes uh, for our work, yes. It's uh, it's. In, I hope you enjoy to speak about your work uh, today, in a little bit different, yeah. uh, in a little bit different way. I don't know how you have uh, felt about about this uh, conversation. Uh, I try to be a little bit uh, different than what you usually listen in the lectures because that's more specific. I want to also go a little bit sideways. Um, but I have to tell you, I think we covered most of your story and most of this last. Uh, success that you that I my internet feed is full of because I know a lot of people apparently that know you uh, so uh, I want to thank you one more time for for being on the podcast uh, and before we we really close the conversation I want you to give the opportunity to tell people where they can find more about you and your office online on website or social media yeah. Yeah, like what, what did you ask? Like if you can shout out where people can find you online, like where is your website or social media where yeah, they can yeah, find of, you? Of course, yeah, with the name Anagram AU, like AU means architecture and urbanism. Uh, they can follow the work and comment also to learn also from them uh, in Instagram or Facebook or uh, our web page. Okay. okay if you click Anagram AU, you will find the, the work of the office. I, I will add all the, the all everything in the description of the podcast as link, so you just can okay. scroll below 
you can click and see the projects of Anagram. Uh, so thank you very much, Marina, for, for being with me tonight and uh, enjoy your evening. Thank you once again for the invitation. It was very nice talking to you. <laughs> thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you very much for listening to this episode and before we go I want to remind you that if you want to support this podcast and our show you can do it by just subscribing to our monthly newsletter where you're going to receive the best of every month and you can follow our social media channels which are Instagram at TCI Podcast and LinkedIn the Creative Insider page. Thank you very much and have a good week. Thank you.